Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. I'm going to jump straight now to Buckingham Palace as King Charles III finishes making his initial speech. My life will, of course, change as I take up my new responsibilities. It will no longer be possible for me to give so much of my time and energies to the charities and issues for which I care so deeply. But I know this important work will go on in the trusted hands of others. This is also a time of change for my family. I count on the loving help of my darling wife, Camilla. In recognition of her own loyal public service since our marriage 17 years ago, she becomes my queen consort. I know she will bring to the demands of her new role the steadfast devotion to duty on which I have come to rely so much. As my heir, William now assumes the Scottish titles which have meant so much to me. He succeeds me as Duke of Cornwall and takes on the responsibilities for the Duchy of Cornwall, which I have undertaken for more than five decades. Today, I am proud to create him Prince of Wales, to Wissog Cymru, the country whose title I have been so greatly privileged to bear during so much of my life and duty. With Catherine beside him, our new Prince and Princess of Wales will, I know, continue to inspire and lead our national conversations, helping to bring the marginal to the centre ground where vital help can be given. I want also to express my love for Harry and Meghan as they continue to build their lives overseas. In a little over a week's time, we will come together as a nation, as a commonwealth, and indeed a global community, to lay my beloved mother to rest. In our sorrow, let us remember and draw strength from the light of her example. On behalf of all my family, I can only offer the most sincere and heartfelt thanks for your condolences and support. They mean more to me than I can ever possibly express. And to my darling Mama, as you begin your last great journey to join my dear late Papa, I want simply to say this. Thank you. Thank you for your love and devotion to our family and to the family of nations you have served so diligently all these years. May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. That was King Charles III of the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland. Shortly before the show began, he began speaking right around um, the 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern hour. And in his speech, he 
echoed what his mother said on her 21st birthday. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, actually, I think he said for however much longer I have, be devoted to your service and the service of our great family to which we all belong. He left out the word imperial. Um, that was him. And now we know uh, the the title Prince of Wales is a title only the king can grant. It does not automatically go to the heir. The heir to the crown automatically becomes the Duke of Rothsay in, Rothsay in Scotland and the Duke of Cornwall. The Duke of Cornwall actually controls pretty much all of the land of southwest England. Uh, you see there, if you know the, the map of England, there's a peninsula that juts out into the sea there, uh, the North Atlantic. Uh, that is all controlled by the Duke of Cornwall, who happens to be the heir of the British crown, and beneath those are what are called the Skilly Islands, uh, just out there at the tip of the peninsula, and the Skilly Islands are the personal property of the Duke of Cornwall, the heir to the British crown. It generates revenue for him and his family. Uh, William and his family have moved to Windsor Castle uh, to be near the Queen at the time, and now to his father, who will be taking up residence at Windsor Castle. Uh, Harry and Meghan um, have already moved into Windsor Castle, taking up residence this week, and the rest of the family coming uh, from the U.S. back to the U.K. for the funeral for the Queen, which will be a week from Monday. Uh, they do this uh, as D-Day, which is her date of death yesterday, and then each day thereafter is D plus one. So on D plus one, the new king um, moves to announce himself and be declared officially the king. All of parliament swears their allegiance to him. And the Ascension Council, which are the high lords and top politicians of the country, swear their allegiance to him along with the Church of England. And then on D plus two, the second day, he begins a tour of the immediate realm, which means he will go to Scotland and then he will go to Northern Ireland, and then he will go to Wales, where he has been the Prince of Wales, before returning through England back to London, meeting the people who are now his subjects. Uh, shortly after he spoke there just a few minutes ago, they began a memorial service at St. Paul's Cathedral in London for the Queen. A crowd had lined up in the pre-dawn, pouring rain, getting armbands to go in two to 3,000 people made it in. It was open to the public, not just the politicians. Um, a remarkable 10 days we are watching unfold across the Atlantic. I hate to say the pond. It's the Atlantic Ocean. Across the Atlantic, they're watching Charles, um, remembering his mother, uh, commemorating her fondly, pledging to serve out the last of his days as King of England and naming his son the new Prince of Wales, something that no one was sure would happen or if it would come today. For all the belly aching some had said over Harry and Meghan, uh, not having their children become princes or princesses, uh, it is now automatic. They are bestowed upon Charles. All of the grandchildren of a British monarch are entitled to be called prince and princess and take the AHRH title because they were the great-grandchildren of Queen Elizabeth they were not automatically bestowed that title. Now that uh, their grandfather is the King of England, they automatically become HRHs, uh, his and her Royal Highness, unless the King takes it away from them, which probably will not happen. 
All right. Uh, momentous history we have to cover here in addition to everything else. And now I got to move to other things. If there is one question I get asked more than any other right now, in fact, so I was on the phone earlier. We, we do our, our call uh, with the team for the show to go over all the stuff I plan to talk about, half of which I never get to. Uh, and immediately after the call, so I decided there's, there's a little sandwich shop near me that I love called SIDS. So my favorite sandwich on the planet, this is a total tangent. I love a good chicken salad sandwich, but I, I don't like the ones with like the cranberries and the grapes. And it's just, why would you ruin a chicken salad sandwich? But this place makes a fantastic chicken salad sandwich and a great cup of chili. And today, I mean, it's in the 70s, it's pouring down rain, and I wanted a cup of chili and chicken salad sandwich. So I figured I would get in my car, I could have the call in the parking lot there, I could put my order in by 1035, uh, be home in time to finish up the show prep and do the show, and then everybody started calling. So I finally got in there about 11 o'clock. And two of the three phone calls I got were, do you think Herschel Walker's going to pull it off? Friends, there is new polling in Georgia. Uh, Fox 5, one of the, the major news networks in Atlanta, and uh, Insider Advantage, they have a new poll out. Herschel Walker is leading Raphael Warnock in Georgia. In fact, uh, the I mentioned the other day Gary Peters, who is the head of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. He's the campaign arm of the Senate Democrats. Did not mention Raphael Warnock in a list of races he was optimistic about the other day. Uh, this is three polls in a row that have Walker in the lead. The Warnock campaign has stepped up the negative ads. The Walker campaign, I, I full disclosure, I had breakfast with him the other day. I told you guys I had breakfast with Herschel Walker. He's going to come on the show here soon. Um, Walker and his campaign know they need to respond to the ads about him holding a gun to his ex-wife's head. Uh, the answer there is actually fairly simple. The only reason we know about that and heard the audio of his ex-wife is because that audio comes from a joint interview Herschel Walker and his ex-wife did with 60 Minutes to raise awareness about mental health issues. And we only have that audio because they were at that interview together and, and Warnock's campaign is using that in a commercial and cut off what Herschel Walker said and left out the parts the ex-wife said about him uh, struggling with and beating his mental health demons and, and, and getting treatment. And they wanted to destigmatize people. And I suspect we're going to see Herschel Walker's campaign uh, take a very strident tone against a so-called reverend who is defining Herschel Walker by his worst moment on his darkest day uh, without any room for forgiveness and ignoring the repentance? And do we really want to keep in Congress, in the Senate, a supposed reverend who defines people by their worst sins, defines this country by its worst sins, shows no act of forgiveness, allows no forgiveness or repentance, and in fact is doubling down on the stigmatizing of people who have suffered mental health issues in the past? Not very Christian of Warnock, is it? Uh, I, I think you're going to see Walker push back hard on this. Um, might even have his ex-wife uh, help do it, uh, given how Warnock is using that. But for now, Walker's ahead of the polling. But more notable, this comes on the heels 
of polling uh, or a news story in the New York Times that says Democrats are really upset about Abrams. Abrams' team has resorted, Stacey Abrams' team has resorted to claiming it's all sexism. It's sexism. That's why That's why she's not doing well. It's sexism. Pay no attention to 2018 when they think that she was actually the governor. The reality here is that Abrams has not been ahead of Brian Kemp at all this season in any poll, public or private, Democrat or Republican. And I am told very reliably that a number of Democratic groups, including the Democratic Governors Association, which is the campaign arm of the Democratic governors, are beginning to pull their money back out of Georgia, realizing Abrams won't win. What is notable, and a Democrat himself told me this, is that they don't have any poll that has Abrams ahead, that Brian Kemp's popularity is so high. And the only reason I know this is kind of funny, uh, is this this Democrat who I, I kind of know we have a relationship uh, was listening to me a couple of weeks ago, and I pointed out I thought it was notable that Abrams never says Brian Kemp on the campaign trail. She says current governor or incumbent. She doesn't mention Brian Kemp. And this guy who who I, I know we have somewhat of a relationship, not a great one. It's not antagonistic. just don't know him well, uh, but we've known each other in the past. Uh, he and I have been on CNN together and in the past and stuff, reached out and, and said he thought it was very funny because, in fact, uh, the Democrats' internal polling has Brian Kemp actually is very popular even with Democrats in the state of Georgia and unbelievably popular even with younger black people in the state of Georgia, which they know is a problem for Stacey Abrams. And we've we've had a conversation ongoing for a while now uh, since I mentioned that. And, yeah, he said that Democrats are beginning to pull money out of the state of Georgia for Abrams, not for Warnock. They still think Warnock has a chance, but they've all given up on Abrams at this point that uh, they're now starting to talk about Warnock as a potential presidential contender, not Stacey Abrams. In the words of this particular Democrat, 2018 was her best shot. Uh, she has overplayed her hand and gotten too notorious as opposed to uh, being embraced by people. In particular, he thought that whether he liked it or not, Kemp actually played his hand very well on the economy. So Democrats, there's your big headline today, pulling money out of the state of Georgia uh, that was intended to help Stacey Abrams. They will, however, keep Raphael Warnock in. And several other Republicans and Democrats alike tell me in Georgia, you're going to have opposite coattails that Warnock might be able to get Abrams across. Kemp might be able to get Walker across. And if I was a betting man, I would bet that Kemp can get Walker across. And the reason is because the Kemp team has a very formidable ground team and a ground game. And everybody lionizes Stacey Abrams and her ability to build ground games. Brian Kemp has a really impressive one, and it may just save all of the GOP in Georgia. So your bottom line headline is that uh, Georgia's off the table for the Democrats as a gubernatorial pickup. And rapidly, it looks like the GOP is up one in the Senate. And if that's the case, they can lose Pennsylvania and they can still gain the Senate because Nevada looks like it's headed to the GOP as well. So when we come back, the bottom of this hour... I do want to talk about Oberlin College and Gibson Bakery. Uh, Tracy, who called in in the first hour, is now the very first person to have called this program to talk to me about something that was in the show notes today. So she knew I was going to talk about it. And she got ahead of where I was. So the applause for her. She gets a gold star. Um, I want to talk about Oberlin when we come back. I mentioned the show notes email. You can subscribe to it by texting the word data 
to 33777. And look, my whole goal in doing it, and usually Philip puts it together for me. I do my outline of the show. And then while I'm busy trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the show, he takes all the stuff I'm going to talk about and puts it into the email for me. Except somebody's going on a multi, like, week-plus cruise so I'm going to have to get back in the habit of doing it myself. But nonetheless, I digress. I'm not bitter about that anyway. I got to talk to HR about how many days we let people take off at one time. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, I love that we can do that um, to people who are subscribers so that you can think for yourself. You can read the articles yourself. You don't have to have me narrate them. Uh, oh, mental health, my foot. Whatever, going to take a mental health break from me. I, you. I am like the greatest boss to work for. I want you to know, I was able to order iPhones for people this morning who work for me, who now may not get their iPhones. They may go to the skeet launcher instead. But nonetheless, nonetheless, yeah, you hear that? Yes, there goes your iPhone. Now, <laughs> I'm a wonderful boss to work for. Um, when we come back, I even, well take myself to Vegas without people who work for me. Oberlin College is a progressive, progressive institution. And its administration got captured by its woke students. Those woke students accused Gibson's Bakery of racial profiling and harassment. And it simply wasn't true. And instead of standing up to the students who are lying, the college backed up the students. And they now have to pay $38 million to Gibson's Bakery for defamation. The bakery took a stand and fought. And other businesses in the community who have long had business with Oberlin College had the back of the bakery because they understood at a very basic level, uh, there but by the grace of God go us. The moral of the story here being that colleges cannot be captured by their students. The students need to actually go learn how to think and be reasonable people. We'll get to that. Uh, also, you need to know uh, U.S. household net worth in the second quarter fell by $6 trillion. Yes, there is economic news out there that we have to talk about today as well. Uh, household net worth fell by $6 trillion. The markets are up today. The Dow over 361 points right now. They're trying to bounce back, but the problem is higher interest rates are coming. And now Bank of America is saying by the first quarter of 2023, we're going to head into a recession and it might come sooner. And also, well, there's Gallup economic news. 56% of Americans say they're having to cut back because things are too expensive. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I promise you I want to talk about Oberlin College, but these things have just happened. And I just, I, I, want, to, I want to play these two clips. Um, this is, and I'm doing this on the fly. I do need you to know that and, and apologize to you for kind of doing this on the fly as I'm, I'm trying to get to um, the point of the, of the conversation here. But this is first 
Sonny Huston on uh, The View. A while, and I got caught up in the pomp and circumstance of it all as well. I wanted to see the changing of the guards. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to meet the queen um, because I think we all love <coughs> glam and pageantry. And I think, though, we can mourn the queen and not the empire. Yeah. Because sure. if you really think about what the monarchy... Um, was built on it was built on the backs of black and brown people she wore a crown with pillaged stones from india and africa and now what you're seeing at least in the black communities that i'm a part of um, they want reparations you know barbados left at left the uh, left the sort of this, this monarchy, this colonization. Yeah. Um, Jamaica, I'm, I have a lot of Jamaican friends, that's coming soon. And right now, Charles now is in a position, he's, I think, has 14 colonies that he is now head of state, including Australia and Canada, I believe, if yeah. I'm correct. It's time for him to modernize this monarchy. And it's time for him to provide reparations to all of those colonies. And I also think, you know, a monarchy, it's very easy to uplift one family. The harder thing is to uplift all families. And I think that he's in a position to be able to do that. But you, you do know. You do know. But we are all dumber for having heard that, by the way. Uh, he doesn't have any ability to do any of that sort of stuff. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. But wait, wait, there's more. And let me see if I can get this done here. Um, this is uh, a CNN talking head. And such an important distinction. So one of the things that Larry reported on last hour that I think is important is is real anger among some that that she did not apologize for the actions of the empire building mm. but the new monarch can't i mean there are things now the question will be what will king charles do and what what may be said that wasn't said i mean i think it's going to be really interesting to see whether um this sort of commonwealth experiment survives the new king i mean i have i have no idea what's going to happen but i think that you know you saw last year um, Barbados, for example, removing the Queen as head of state. You are seeing growing calls for republicanism in various other sort of Commonwealth, Commonwealth nations, especially in the Caribbean. And I think it's this idea that there is now an understanding of how much money the royal family may have made from slavery, um, their involvement in sort of colonialism, and there are calls uh, for reparations, right? And mm -hmm. even if the reparations are unlikely to happen, you sort of do get this sense that, you know, it's unfortunate that there's been no apology. And that's what people really do yeah. take issue with, I think, at this point in time. And as you know... Oh, boy. Uh, let's set up our personal grievances and make it all about themselves and, and their pet grievances. I, I got to say, you know, um, there is this story. I believe it is a true story. It, I think it was documented. I've heard it from multiple different sources that there was once a gathering at Oxford of religious scholars and C.S. Lewis happened to pop his head in as they were discussing the thing that, that makes all religions kind of the same. And their essential thing was that God is real and we all worship God in, a, in our own unique way, but we're all really worshiping the same God. 
and they largely agreed with themselves that there really was no difference among the religions. They all had the same concepts. They all had the don't do to people what you don't want them to do to you, stuff like that. And so Lewis pops his head in and, and asks him, is there anything he can think of that would actually make Christianity distinct from every other religion on the planet? And, and Lewis says, grace. It is the only religion that actually has a concept of grace. She has a doctrine of grace, has a covenant of grace. Christianity is defined by grace. And showing grace is you show to people or give to people that thing they do not deserve. Every religion has a concept of mercy. Every religion has a concept of mercy. There's an important distinction you need to understand between grace and mercy. Christianity is the only religion with a really defined concept of grace. Every religion has a concept of mercy. Mercy is sparing someone from that which they deserve. Mercy is sparing people from that which they deserve. God spares you from punishment through his divine mercy. Grace is giving you something you don't deserve. God gives you eternity with him despite your sins against him. He shows you mercy and he gives you grace. Grace, again, is simply thought of as giving someone something they don't deserve. And uh, the Christian religion actually demands that Christians show grace. We are a graceless society. As we get self-absorbed and focused on that self-absorption, we are less and less likely to show others grace. It is why people can come out of the woodwork when someone like Elizabeth II dies and pour their petty animosities and grudges on her as if she was the bad person who didn't do what they wanted because they have no concept of grace. And there are, frankly, a lot of people who are Christians who have a very hard time showing grace. One of the most convicting things I have ever heard in my life came from uh, Dr. Derek Thomas. He is the senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. He is from Wales and undoubtedly in mourning over the loss of his beloved queen, who he dearly loved. And he was also my favorite seminary professor, taught me all the systematic theology classes. And one time he said in class, on the concept of grace, it is uh, coupled with forgiveness. And if you can't forgive, you are compelled by your God to forgive. And if you can't forgive, and that forgiveness has no strings attached, you cannot tell someone you will forgive them if they do X, Y, and Z. You just have to forgive them. And forgiveness is one of the hardest things you have to do even harder than loving your neighbor. Forgiveness is very hard. Every single one of us is burdened in some way and haunted by an act against us by someone that caused us psychic or physical harm. Every one of us 
on planet Earth has someone who in some way treated us in a way that to this day embitters us. And we still have to forgive that person. Part of it is we don't let that person control us anymore. But this gets to what Dr. Thomas said in class. If you can't forgive, what you're saying is that your conscience has been pricked more thoroughly and more sharply than the conscience of Christ nailed to the cross who said, Father, forgive them. Is what happened to you worse than what happened to your God on the cross? Probably not. And so to hear the petty grievance mongers come out and demand things like, well, now reparations, let's get this king to do reparations because that queen didn't and she benefited from it and on and on. It's just a little bit silly, a little bit odd. And yet there you have it. This is actually a very good transition into the Oberlin College situation because the wokes are creating in Woko Haram, their terroristic religion around the Western world, a religion that has really no mercy and no grace. Gibson's Bakery, right outside the front door of Oberlin College, uh, it was a longtime bakery that students went to. Oberlin College and Gibson's Bakery are in Oberlin uh, in Lorain County, Ohio, southwest of Cleveland. Oberlin College is a deeply, deeply progressive school, and it makes up the heart of Oberlin, Ohio. They are highly progressive. And... Three students went into Gibson's Bakery and were shoplifting. Two of them had, I think, um, bottles under their coats and something else, and the owner's grandson gave chase and caught them. They screamed racial profiling and harassment, and the woke students of Oberlin College agreed. And then the professors and administration of Oberlin College joined in chimed in on behalf of the students and defended the students. Not only did they defend the students, but emails revealed that they were also encouraging people at Oberlin to stop doing business with the bakery. Now, I want to read you part of the coverage from the New York Times. Alan Gibson, a son and grandson of the owners who is white, chased the students onto the street with two of his friends, also black students at Oberlin, joined in the scuffle. The students pleaded guilty to various charges. The altercation led to two days of protest. Several hundred students gathered in front of the bakery, accusing it of having racially profiled its customers. The lawsuit filed by Gibsons contended that Oberlin had defamed the bakery when the dean of students, Meredith Riamundo, and other members of the administration took sides in the dispute by attending the protests where flyers peppered with capital letters urged a boycott of the bakery and said it was a racist establishment with a long account of racial profiling and discrimination. Oberlin presented testimony, or Gibson presented testimony, Oberlin stopped ordering from the bakery, but had offered to restore its business if charges were dropped against the three students or if the bakery gave students accused of shoplifting special treatment. The store refused to do so. 
The store said the college's stance drove customers away for fear of being perceived as supporting an establishment accused of racism. There was no grace by the wokes, nor was there true justice. It was all a lie. The students were shoplifters. Oberlin had not targeted them because of their race, but because of their shoplifting. And it was the academics scared of the student mob who joined in with the student mob. And now we'll pay $36.59 million in damages to the bakery and the family, the Gibson family, for having done what they did. Good. That bakery, by the way, just so you know, has served... Oberlin since 1885 were treated that horribly by a college hijacked by the Wokes who offered no grace and showed no mercy and built their claims around a lie. And Gibson got true justice in court. The Ohio Supreme Court refused to hear Oberlin's appeal. And if they did not pay, Gibson's bakery could go to the sheriff and demand he start selling off Oberlin property to get Gibsons the money that they were owed. And they'll take it. And they may actually go out of business still because of the relationship with the university there. But other local businesses wound up having Gibsons back. Uh, They stood up for the business because they knew, uh, unlike so many people in corporate America, they knew that if they didn't have Gibsons back, uh, they could be next. And so they did. It's one of my frustrations in the media now. You see the wokes come for people. Sometimes it's people from the right. Uh, You complain about what someone said on TV one day, and and then you rally the mob. And when the TV station or the radio station boots the person because you don't like that one thing they happen to say, you know what's going to happen. You're just provoking more. You've dug yourself a hole. The the wokes, woko haram, will come for you, or, or the rabid voices on the right will come for you because you didn't stand by the person who's loyally served you because you were more scared of the protesters than the person who really did nothing wrong. All you do is embolden more of this. And until corporations, particularly media corporations, learn that all you're doing is provoking more terror headed in your direction, this is going to keep happening. At least Gibson stood up for themselves. They fought and they got justice and Woko Haram was beaten back. And other colleges should be on notice. The students are there to learn. They're not there to drive the conversation. And you should probably stop letting your idiot Woko Haram students drive you into nonsense where you wind up having to pay $36 million to an actual victim that you yourself caused to become a victim. All right, before I get out of here, I got to tell you, I had dinner the other night with a man and his daughter. And they have a litter box. And I've been telling people on the radio about um, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And I never even thought about litter box odors until another listener emailed me and said, you know what? The Eden Pure wipes out those litter box odors. I was like, you know what? That is a great selling point. And this family heard me and they wound up buying one and they attest to the fact that, yeah, it actually does work. And I can tell you, uh, having been in, in rental cars where there was really strong smoke smell of a particular variety and musty smelling hotel rooms, you can fire up the Eden Pure and it cleans up the air and it eliminates the odors. It doesn't mask the odors, it eliminates them. Now, Eden Pure will tell you it's an air purifier. It'll get rid of the mildew, the mold, the dust, the pollen that floats in the air. I honestly... I use it for odor elimination. I don't run it all the time. Just if I have fire up the uh, fryer in the kitchen or I'm in a rental car or something, fire it up, 
wipe out the odors and go back to business and they work. You can get three of them for less than $200. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, the number three, no no space. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in ERIC3 on the front page. You will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200 and you get free shipping. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I don't have a lot of time here, so please, please uh, stay on the phones. I want to take your calls when we come back. Uh, And I am happy to spend the last hour taking calls. I know a lot of you guys have had questions, uh, and I've had a lot to say over the last week, and the news pace has slowed down to some degree. So I am really happy to devote my last hour mostly to you guys uh, we'll make the call screener work a little bit here if you want, 877-973-7425. But we do have some economic news we have to talk about. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm going to just briefly ask for for, for small prayers and small mercies. Um, we have had uh, a bug sweep through our entire house. It is not covid Uh, It is a sinus infection that has hopped from kid to kid to parent to parent. Uh, My poor wife is just undone by this thing. Um, My oldest is homesick. The youngest has finally gotten over it. And I am surviving, if only to hold everybody else together and do all the shopping and uh, taking people to the doctor and, and getting all the medicine and stuff like that. But, man, it has been a week I haven't wanted to mention it so much on radio here this week, but it has just uh, been something. Um, and my wife does the laundry. I don't do laundry. I will pay someone to do my laundry. And she's she's been getting up between the laundry. I'm like, Christy, there's a place in town. I can take it. And they will wash it. Even just the towels. Let me, t- no, 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 no. I'll get up and do it. It's like, oh, no. But, I mean, cleaning the kitchen, uh, doing the dishes, picking up the food, doing the groceries, taking the kids to the doctor, all that. Um I've been multitasking mightily this week. My wife is uh, very much under the weather, but finally, I think, I'll turn the corner today after a doctor's visit. So prayers appreciated. We will be fine. I'm so ready for the weekend just to, like, veg out and not have to do anything. We'll be back one more hour with you guys. I'll take your phone calls.